Hello, gardeners, farmers, compost enthusiasts, and growers. Welcome to The Healthy Garden, the show where soil is important and growing a healthier world is job one. Hello, healthy gardeners, and welcome to episode number 58 of The Healthy Garden Podcast. What's the stress level of your garden? That may sound funny to put the word stress and garden together in a podcast episode title, but if you've been around the gardening world as long as I have, you've seen quite a bit of stress when it comes to gardening. Stress in the garden can take many forms. I've seen people go into full-blown panic attacks over a pest infestation, yellowing leaves, leaf curl, blossom end rot, Rats taking their tomatoes. You name it, I've seen it. I watch gardeners' hair turn gray over watering, and that could mean overwatering or underwatering, or why their drip irrigation isn't working that great. They're using drip because it's the right thing to do. The ecological, sustainable, regenerative choice, so why isn't it working? All right, amiga, amigo. Calm down. We all know you're trying to do the right thing. My life in the garden has shown me that you can never underestimate the human factor when it comes to stress in the garden. I have to admit something to all of you right now. I don't like stress. I can't stand it. For years, people told me that I thrive on stress. Well, not anymore I don't. I hate stress. And I hope that stress will come to hate me because I am no longer taking the bait. Ever since I had my little heart thing and my doc told me that I had to mitigate stress, well, that's what I've been doing, mitigating it right out of my life, especially when it comes to gardening. Besides the human stress that we bring to the garden, we have the actual physical and natural stressors occurring in the garden from stress-related issues like water pests, fertilizers, soil composition, types of compost, diseases, weather, gophers, moles, shade, wind, pollution. Ah, there are a zillion stresses out there. I believe that some of you have gardens that might just be hyper-stressed, so stressed that they might need a garden Xanax. Now, I don't mean to stress you out with this introduction, But garden stress is real, and it's something that as gardeners we really want to get a grip on. I want to laugh sometimes when my doctor asks me if I've been minimizing stress during my office visits. (laughs) What does he know? He's just a doctor. He's not a gardener. He has no idea how stressful a whitefly infestation can be for both me and my prized roses. I don't think he's ever felt the stress of planting new fruit trees only to see their roots devoured by a gopher in an all-night underground assault that leaves a burial mound of fresh earth next to a tree leaning on its last legs, barely hanging on to life. For those of you who've experienced, it's stressful. Not only for me and the tree, but ultimately mm -hmm, for the gopher who I vow to get if it's the last thing I do on this earth. Here's some questions for all of you. 
How do you know if you're stressed or if your garden is stressed? Are you at all to blame for the stress that your poor garden is going through? Could any of the products that you're using in your garden be the cause of any of the stressors that are occurring in your garden? Is any of the garden advice, in quotes, or the protocols you're using that came with that advice causing you or your garden stress? Not sure? Then it's a really good thing that we thought that we all better get a grip on stress. Garden stress. There's nothing worse than a garden in crisis. Is your garden in crisis? Is your garden about to go over the edge? Is your garden in need of a stress tune-up from a trained professional? I don't know. Maybe. How do I tell? If those are the answers to the questions that I have posed to you in this brief introduction, then you're lucky. Your garden's lucky. Because we are going to deal with what causes stress in the gardener, the garden, and in the world of gardening in this helpful, healthful, and happy episode, What's the Stress Level of Your Garden? Hi gardeners, is your garden toxic? Are the products that you use, fertilizers, soils, amendments, toxic? Even the natural and organic ones? Do you really know? Well, I do. And in 100 Years of Deception, Why Gardening Must Change by me, your host, Randy Ritchie, I tell you the truth about all of these things and detail how gardening has been hijacked, stolen, and influenced by the chemical companies known as Big Chem for over a century, and why gardeners have openly accepted fertilization rates, NPK ratios, and gardening techniques handed down to them by university studies that have been paid for by the very same chemical companies who create the poisons we all garden with. How did this happen? The big gardening lie started with the creation of chemical fertilizer back in the early 1900s and has grown from there into a $100 billion a year industry that gardeners pay for. Most gardeners don't even know that natural and organic products and soils are filled with chemical residue and toxins. In 100 Years of Deception, Why Gardening Must Change, I take you on the journey of truth that I learned about the lawn and garden industry, the government, the products, the ingredients, and the misinformation campaign that has poisoned our gardens for over a century. I believe that this is a must-read for every gardener and every garden library. The time for us to take back our gardens is now. A Hundred Years of Deception, Why Gardening Must Change, by me, Randy Ritchie, will show you how to do that. A Hundred Years of Deception, Why Gardening Must Change, from Next Generation Publishing, will be available soon on Amazon.com.
I think that a lot of the times we don't even know how stressed we are. In the modern world, we always hear that stress is a killer. Well, it is. I joke around a lot on this podcast, but for me, a person who has congestive heart failure from long COVID, stress will actually kill me. So let's talk a minute about your own personal stress in the garden in this segment. And then let's talk about some of the best practices, which are actually some of the worst practices that we use in the garden. We'll talk about that in the second segment. Those are the practices that create a ton of stress out there for the plants, soil, microbes, and the overall ecology of your garden and landscape. Let's start with the personal stress. A lot of gardeners that I've met have a few things going against them when it comes to stress management. First is this one, the perfection principle. It's a type A issue that a lot of gardeners suffer from. It's that core belief that if my garden isn't perfect, then it's a reflection on me. How is your lack of control over nature a reflection on you? All we can do as gardeners is try our best to recreate as healthy a natural environment as we can. We don't really have any control as to how the microbes break down the nutrient in our compost, how the plants uptake that nutrient or nutrient from the compost teas or occasional dusting of mineral of a simple like kelp meal that we're feeding. This principle assumes that we can control bugs, disease, photosynthesis, and the weather, when in reality, all we can do is show up. Second is the work, 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 work syndrome. Gardening is not supposed to be work. It's supposed to be a leisure activity, a hobby, a way to commune with nature and blow off some steam outdoors. The work syndrome is tied closely to the perfection principle. But this is where the perfection principle moves past self-judgment into self-mutilation. Don't we all or most of us get enough work at work? Do we really need anything else to be work for us? That's why I don't work out. I work in a lot. My regular day job is an easy 60 hours per week and could explode to 80 hours or more a week if I want to be an absolute nutcase. Gardening is not about the paycheck. It's about the experience. Try to remember that. Third is the information overload. There is so much information out there on gardening that it's impossible to listen, watch, read, and absorb it all. Most of the YouTubes or garden shows I've watched go in one ear and out the other because I am burnt out on information. We live in the age of information, the gilded age of technology. Don't believe me? The entire stock market rises and falls with the performance of the Magnificent Seven, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, which is Google, Meta, which is Facebook, Microsoft, NVIDIA, and Tesla are the seven tech stocks that have driven the Dow to over 35,000. Even saying that? just made me stressed. Just take in what you can. 
Most of the stuff that you hear online or in books about gardening is wrong anyway. So don't focus too much time or attention on what you don't know, because fortunately in the gardening world, it's just gardening. It's not brain surgery. We are going to figure out ways to not act these stress behaviors out in our garden. But how, you ask? We're stressed. We're gardening on three triple cappuccinos loaded with sugar and caramel drizzle. And if we don't do it perfectly, slaving away with every waking hour that we aren't at work, driving the kids, walking the dog, or doing some community service, and garden precisely in the exact methodology as prescribed by Joe Grow in his Super Organic Power Hour on YouTube, which is brought to you by Organic Miracle Garden Power Crystals. Then you, my little stress bubbles, are not doing enough. You're not doing it right, and you're not going to have the perfect little pink houses garden now, are you? Answer is no, you're not, and that's all right. Well, that's all right, mama. That's all right for you. That's all right, mama. Just any way you do, well, that's all right. That's all right. That's all right now, mama. Any way you do. You have to find ways to relieve the stress and your impulse to deep dive into stress. For me, I just sing a little Elvis. Took the stress level down a hair. A Elvis hair. My point here is to de-stress. Here are some things that you can do to break the stress train. One, sing in the garden. I have found that my plants love any bad rendition of a Morrissey song that I can muster up. Two, have a plan. Set a mental plan or a list, if you're a list person, of what's to get done in the garden. Absolutely done. Not the perfect human's gardening guide to killing yourself in the garden, but a reasonable baseline. Try to accomplish what you reasonably can and then stop. That's it. Alto. No moss. Three, don't take gardening so seriously. This is your free time. You are exercising your right to garden, a right that you have. How you want to garden. It's in the Constitution. Look it up. Four, make your time in the garden a meditation. Breathe in and breathe out. Watch your breath as it moves in and then moves out. Become one with your azalea. I'm joking a little here, but think about it. The Webster's define meditation as one, to engage in contemplation or reflection, or two, to engage in mental exercise, such as concentration on one's breathing, aha, or Repetition of a mantra for the purpose of reaching a heightened level of spiritual awareness. See? I wasn't that far off, was I? The point is let go. This goes not only for gardening, but for everything in life. Here are a couple of disturbing facts on stress as related to your health. 
50% of the time, emotional disorders are caused by chronic, untreated stress. And even more alarming is that medical research shows that as much as 90% of illness and disease is stress-related. Health is wealth, my friends. It's all we've really got. So please, take what I am saying here seriously. I know I like to have fun and joke about things, but this is serious. For our gardens to be stress-free, it helps if we are stress-free. There are plenty of real stress points in the garden that we are going to go over next and how we can avoid those stress triggers that are sometimes unavoidable. Hi, healthy gardeners. Some of the ways I deal with stress these days is to eat 100% organic, and I make sure that I take a walk through the garden when I've been inside too much or have been at the computer too much. I walk through the garden and always get out of my head, let the pressure go away from my body, and start breathing better. I often also cross our street and walk among the trees along a beautiful path down a river. I feel the trees helping me to lift my stress away and all the computer and EMFs out of my system. It's so good to know that even in this information age, we can still restart and remove all the stress by being in nature. We have three sets of chairs in our garden, and one of them is right in the center of the garden. I feel I'm part of the bird, squirrel, rabbit family down there now. They look oddly at me. Perhaps they're wondering if they could trust me still. We're both still figuring that out right now as the tomatoes, beans, squash, and plums come in. Maybe I need to grow more for all of us. It's certainly easy with Malibu Compost Soil Products. Get yours today at malibucompost.com and de-stress in your garden. to do is look at nature to see the environmental stresses that plants and ecosystems face. I remember the year that we moved from SoCal to Oregon, the drought was in full effect. 
people were being fined 500 bucks a pop if they were caught watering on a day they shouldn't have been. Neighbors were turning each other in and cities were sending out water cops in the middle of the night to see if people were sneak watering or irrigating. It was wild times in the SoCal soil desert that had been watered to greenery from the Colorado River and the Owens Valley. The latter is the impetus for the Jack Nicholson movie Chinatown, where the city of Los Angeles fought with residents of the Owens Valley near Bishop and Mono Lake for water rights in the late 19th century. By 1913, water was flowing from the eastern Sierras to L.A. By the 1920s, so much water was being taken that it almost wiped out agriculture in the Owens Valley. So much so that in 1924, farmers from that region tried to destroy the L.A. aqueduct. Not part of L.A. history that I, as a former Angelino, am very proud of. This leads us back to actual physical stress in the garden. We're going to look at plant stress and then soil stress. Both are interrelated, but there has been much study on plant stress because, after all, that's where the fertilizer companies have made their bread and butter for over a century, fertilizing plants, then later killing bugs and disease on your plants as the gardening world grew up and out of chemical fertilization to become chemical gardening, all wrapped up in pretty packaging and slogans to fool you into believing it was good. Plants deal with two types of stress, abiotic stress, which are stresses that are not directly associated with living organisms. These would include light, heat, humidity, drought, freeze. In today's world, these stresses may not just be created by external forces, but by living organisms like people. We certainly do play a part in climate, microclimate, and the poisoning of ecosystems through chemical fertilization. The other type of plant stress is biotic stress. And these are the biological stressors that come from fungal disease, pathogens, virus, bacteria, also from the plant eaters and feeders, herbivores. Plants are stationary, which means they are sessile organisms. Unlike us, they can't just get out of dodge when things get bad. So they have to deal with and adapt to their stresses or die. To deal with the stresses they are bombarded with in the garden, plants use enzymes, metabolites, even plant communication to overcome stress. Since we were talking about drought a minute ago, let's look at what happens with plants in drought stress. When there is a lack of water in the soil or the air, this is when plants go through what is called drought stress. What these wonders of nature do during drought is suppress photosynthesis, which slows their cell growth. They slow down their transpiration rate by closing their stomata to slow any water loss. This is what happens when we forget to water our plants or hire the kid down the street to water when we're out of town and he forgets to water until the last day of our 10-day trip. This explains how your plants may have survived. It definitely explains how every plant in the city of Los Angeles didn't die a year ago. Very quickly, which I think is cool, 
And so you know what happens in your plants during drought or low water or low humidity stresses. I want to take you through what happens. So protein cell membrane receptors and enzymes called kinases and ion channels, which are electric impulses, create changes in the molecules that oversee the oxidative metabolism and repairs any damage to the DNA or antioxidant system of the plant. Is that amazing? The obvious solution here in your garden is proper watering and moisture dissipation in the soil. Drought is extreme, but by mismanaging the water cycle in our gardens, we can create this non-stop cycle of drought-induced type stress on our plants. Not good. Overwatering creates issues below the surface in our soil, which show up above the ground in our plants. Yellow leaves, for one, which everybody has had. But these things are tougher to recognize in terms of the damage to the soil structure and its composition in our gardens, as well as potential pathogenic and soil-borne disease issues in the rhizosphere of our plants. Drought usually comes with heat. So let's look at what happens to your plants when they get too cold or are close to freezing. Cold, low, and freezing temperatures expose our plants to cold stress. We get cold stress as humans when we're out in the elements. The cell membranes of plants have to change in order to survive. They change their lipids, which are the oils and fatty acids, inside of them to become more unsaturated, which creates more viscosity. And that shields the plant from temperature change. The stress survival mechanism of plants to adapt to diverse natural and environmental challenges also includes stresses from salinity and plant wounding. That's when plants get cut or we cut them. Important to note here is that the essential element, calcium, is critical to aiding in stress relief in plants as it serves as a messenger of plant cells and physiological processes of plants that include growth, development, and stress responses. There's a lot more information and study on plant stress out there. Check out the research. See what you can do to eliminate some of the environmental stressors your garden is going through. Try to find ways that you can eliminate heat, light, water, salt, and wind stress. Speaking of salt stress, one of the biggest ways that your garden can get stressed from salt or salinity is through fertilization. This is where the most important part of your garden comes into play in this podcast, your soil. As I always say on the Healthy Garden Podcast, you should always care a lot more about your soil than you do your plants. Why? Because healthy soil creates healthy plants. That's what Big Chem doesn't want you to know or address in your garden. They want you to buy crappy bag soils and even use crappier fertilizer, natural, organic, or not. Most of them just add toxicity to your soil, which kill off the microbes and get up into your plants, creating stress and disease for the whole garden party. From a stress standpoint, chemical fertilization is an abiotic stress that man has introduced into the environment of the soil, then into our plants and crops. 
The way that we teach gardeners to repair the soil toxicity from chemical fertilization, pest control, and disease suppression is to grow the biology of the soil. In recent studies over the years, one of the things that is being looked at in terms of soil health to overcome abiotic stresses is the role of PGPRs, or plant growth promoting rhizobacteria. These are bacteria that promote plant growth and that help plants manage stress at the root level of the plants through the production of phytohormones and metabolites that can create beneficial morphological changes in plants. This can happen naturally, and it does happen naturally when you put compost in the ground and when you grow healthy soil. There is more and more that we learn all of the time about plant-microbe relationships that begin in the soil. It is the only thing that should really matter to any gardener when looking at how to grow a healthy garden. How do I help create the best environment I can for the soil health of my garden? Which leads us to another factor that we looked at in terms of plant stress, yet is critical to soil health. Proper moisture management is key to optimal microbial health in your garden. Nothing stresses out the soil microbes and soil animals of your garden like conditions that are too dry or are too wet. Too dry will kill off the microbes quickly and too wet creates anaerobic pockets for disease, virus, and pathogens to populate in. The moisture issue is also critical to soil aeration, which is important to the root health of our plants. Overly wet or saturated soil creates compaction. Remember that water is heavy. A cup of water weighs about a half a pound or around 224 grams. Soil compaction can restrict root growth and even create root girding, that circling of roots towards the surface because they are choked off from oxygen or water. That sounds stressful doesn't it? There is a lot to be said about stress. I gave you as much as I could pack in in this half hour. I mostly wanted to open up your mind with ways of dealing with something that most of us don't even want to talk about or look at. Stress. Stress doesn't have to be stressful. We can manage it in both our minds and bodies and in the gardens that we love. We can remove the stress that could be causing the microbes in the soil of our gardens to shut down, disappear, or even die off. We have the ability to create positive change. Let's step back, take a pause, take a breath, be grateful we're alive, be grateful we're becoming better, more relaxed, work smarter, and not harder, healthy gardeners. So what's the stress level of your garden? It just got a whole lot better today. That concludes this episode of the Healthy Garden Podcast. Please post your questions on the Healthy Garden Podcast pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us next week to learn more about how you can free yourself from the chemical and synthetic trap that's been set to keep you from growing a true, organic, and healthy garden. Until then, happy and healthy gardening.